We're we ready? Are we live? We are live. It is a good day to sit down with a cup of coffee and discuss theology and the Christian life, Pastor Joe. Yes, it is. Do you I'm have your excited. coffee? I got my coffee. I uh, Is your mind prepped and ready? It's ready. I actually have some notes. You ready to preach prayer or die? Yes, I am, actually. Right. I was just working on my Sunday morning sermon, Sunday evening sermon, and uh, I've got a funeral this weekend preaching on abiding in Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to preach. Okay, man. here's our theological question for the day. Okay, bring it. Are you a Latter-day Saint? <laughs> I am a saint living in the latter days. But are you a Latter-day Saint? Uh, well, it depends on the context in which you ask that question. If you were asking that question in a vacuum, I would say yes. If you're asking that question uh, in today's culture, I would say no. And why would you say no? Well, because there's a whole group of um, – there. I shouldn't say a whole group. There is a Christian cult who has embraced the um, the label Latter-day Saint. That would be like me asking you, are you a witness for Jehovah? <laughs> and you this say, isn't about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say in a vacuum, yes. If you were to ask me that in the culture of today, I would have to say, I am not a Jehovah's Witness, but I am a witness for Jehovah. And yeah. so I am not a Latter-day Saint, but I am a saint living in the latter days. Which brings us to the next question, which I was going to ask you, but I'll just go ahead and answer it because I have a good answer. <laughs> uh, the question is, uh, why <laughs> why would we be talking about Mormonism today? We talked about atheism last time. Yes. And the reason we would want to ask that question is because we don't have loads of Mormons in South Bend, no. Mishawaka. There are some. There's there a ward in Mishawaka, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I've passed it before. It's kind of tucked away, but there is a ward here in town. Um, but the reason that we're talking about Mormonism is not because we have loads and loads of Mormons like they would in Salt Lake City or something like that, but because Mormons and Jehovah's Witness use good biblical words to describe unbiblical lies. That's correct. And they're incredibly, incredibly effective at disseminating or distributing those lies under the disguises, the facades, the false pretenses of good Christian theological language. Can you unpack that for us just a little bit? Yeah, before I do that, I want to say that you used disseminate, disguised, and you could use the word deceit in there. Oh, so that's the feeling, one I was searching for. Thank you. <laughs> I have a feeling that we could uh, come up with a pretty good podcast title good, with yeah. those three words. The dissemination of deceit disguised as doctrine. Three points in a poem. <laughs> Um, well, the main reason we're talking about Mormons is because you sent me an email and you said, let's talk about evangelizing Mormons. So that's one of the main reasons why we're doing that. Yeah. However, this is equipping us in a huge way because every time that we identify what a cult is, we're actually identifying what the truth is not. Right. And that's a huge deal is that in order for us to understand what the truth is, we first have to understand, in a, or we didn't say we first, we, we understand it in a greater way by understanding what it's not, right? And what the Mormons have done is they have made truth statements that are not accurate about scripture and they don't even stand up to scriptural evaluation as we're going to talk about in a minute really mormonism at its face is driven by fear and it's driven uh, for a person to leave mormonism it scares them a lot because mormonism entraps people in their system that that involves 
in a, in a greater way, not just what they believe, but it's who they are in the sense of their family, in the sense of their culture, in the sense of their identity, in the sense of their fellowship, in the sense of everything. That if somebody walks away from Mormonism, they walk away from life yeah. as they know it to exist. And so it's really it's really driven by fear in a lot of ways. Well, let's back up from that for just a second, and let's uh, kind of set some context for this. Church members, all, you know, maybe less so than it used to be, but almost inevitably at some point you're going to have a JW or an uh, LDS, elder, Latter-day Saints, Mormon on your doorstep. What are some of the things that we need to know are true about the Mormon religion? How does Mormonism think about itself? What are some of the key tenets of Mormonism we need to be aware of? Obviously, Mormonism, you you know this, is complex. There sure. is a lot in Mormonism. Yep. You could spend a lifetime just studying how to confront this. Mm-hmm. But for our church members and for our church family, what are the top you know truths in Mormon theology that we should be aware of? So let's first, um, and, and I think let's, if you're okay with it, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that in a, in a roundabout way. Is that okay? Go for it. Let me I don't first, think I can stop you. Okay. <laughs> Even if you did, I would just delete it off the podcast because I edited it. Um, okay. So let me talk about my background with Mormonism, which I think will be helpful and encouraging to people. Um, so my parents actually, when I was a kid, um, had a an outreach to some Mormon missionaries, two different sets of uh, of of guys that were on their mission. Meaning, they take two years and they give two years of their life to go disseminate their faith. Okay. And what's interesting about a Mormon missionary is that they're required to have a certain quota of um, Bible studies going, and so they have to fill those Bible studies up. And so, if you ask a Mormon missionary to do a Bible study, their answer will always be yes. And so we, I grew up as a kid having, having um, Mormon missionaries at our dinner table. And they would come in and they'd eat dinner and we'd talk. We'd talk about the Bible. And, uh, and our house got labeled because the, the, usually the process was we'd invite a Mormon missionary over and they'd usually go in pairs. And so they'd come over for dinner and then we'd have dessert and then they'd sit around and we'd talk about a Bible study. And that'd go on for about three or four weeks until they would call and they would say, we're no longer allowed to come to your house. Okay, whether it be because they had questions that their head, their head bishop couldn't answer or whether they were having doubt in their mind or whether they just kind of got fed up with it, whatever it was, they would stop. Consistently, they would stop. And so uh, there's a point in high school where I was working at Chick-fil-A and a couple Mormons came in to eat. And I, of course, as, as a good fan, as, as we are, you know, commissioned <laughs> to do, went up to them and was like, Hey, how are you guys? I see by your name tags, you're Mormon missionaries. Um, would you guys like to do a Bible study together? And, and I didn't have my name tag on. I was actually on break at that time, or I'd just come in, whatever it was. And they looked at me and they said, are you Marsh Fance kid? And I said, yes. Wow. And they said, uh, your house has been blacklisted. We're no longer, we're, we're no longer allowed to come there. It's disappointing. It's sad. Very, very disappointing. Very sad. But I think that shows you a little bit about about the system, yeah. right? So anyway, so and that's where the cultishness of it, Mormonism yes. comes out in some pretty strong ways, and, right? And controlling every aspect. So yeah. so God very used that to even witness to some Mormons here in South Bend. And um, when I made a contact with a Mormon family, we actually had the privilege of seeing them come to Christ over a period of several months that the seed had been planted in their life years before for the gospel. So it was more reaping than it was anything else. Um, And I stumbled upon a resource that anybody who is trying to witness to a Mormon 
or if you're interested in Mormonism, you need to know this resource, and it's called the Sago Lily Foundation, S-E-G-O-L-I-L-Y, Sago Lily Foundation. Two words? Two words. The Sago Lily is a flower that when uh, the first Mormons were settling in Utah, they survived by actually eating the Sago Lilies. And so the Mormons hold to the sago lilies as sacred to them. It's a special, special plant. And so I have some dear friends out in Utah who have a ministry to the Mormons, and they have this resource called the Sago Lily Foundation. And what it does is, is it gives the truth about Mormonism and about Christianity. Hmm. And so I want to say that, and I'm going to reference them a lot because... Um, better than listening to this podcast, if somebody wants the information, I've been given uh, permission to give that information that we've purchased from Sigal Lily Foundation or to walk them through the Bible study, because as you mentioned earlier, this is a complicated, complicated, complicated subject. And so I'm going to start out by saying, what do we need to know about witnessing to Mormons? That gets us to that point, right? Number one, the gospel is the same no matter who you witness to. Good. Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, atheist, the gospel is the same. Number two, pray, 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 pray that God would not only give you the words to say, but would also open up their hearts. In witnessing to Mormons, we need to identify three things correctly. We need to identify the scripture. Right, let's, let's say four. We're going to use the scripture as a foundation. So let's say four, starting with scripture. We need to identify what the scripture is. We need to identify who God is, who Jesus is. And then once we have an understanding of the scripture, God and Jesus, then we can talk about the gospel. Hmm. And this goes back to how you started, is that Mormons will use biblical terms that we use, but they mean something totally different, right? So if you were to go up to a Mormon and you were to say, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? They would say, yes, we have. Mm -hmm. They would call themselves Christians. In fact, I remember a time when I was a kid sitting at dinner and one of the missionaries looked at my dad and said, you have five children. You're eating together as a family. We're not really all that different. Mm -hmm. And my dad looked at him and put his fork down and he pointed his finger at him. and He said, we are more different than you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And it was this huge, tense moment. Yeah. But it, it was this point to where we have to understand that even though they say a lot of the same things, they mean something totally different by it. Uh, when they say Jesus, they do not mean Jesus like you and I mean Jesus, right? If I were to say, okay, Ben, explain to me who Jesus is. What are some things, some characteristics that you would say, some, some, um, uh, some statements about the nature of Christ that we would believe according to Orthodox Christianity? What are some things about Jesus that we would believe? Uh, his divinity. Okay. Meaning that he's truly God, truly man. Right. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> eternality. His eternality, his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his Good. bodily resurrection. Okay. So so on a lot, on some of those things, Mormons would say, well, I agree with that as well. But on other things, it would be very different. They do not believe that Jesus is truly God, the same as God the Father is. They do not believe that Jesus is eternal. They believe that he's a created being, that Jesus is actually the offspring of heavenly father and heavenly mother, that Jesus is the half-brother to Satan. They would embrace all these things. So when you're talking to a Mormon and you say Jesus and they say Jesus, we're not talking about the same person. Sure. And that is a huge thing to understand. Well, with that being said, can, can we back up? Because you, you gave an order to this. Yep. The word of God what are the attributes okay. that we need to define so with a Mormon on, yep. on the Word of God? So now that we have that illustration of yeah. what I mean by different, right? right. right. So let's go. What through do we these need to four. know about each of these with a Mormon? Good. So um, 
the reason that we start with scripture now, now that somebody can understand, okay, when they say the Bible, they mean something different than I mean by the Bible. When they say Jesus, when they say God, when they say the gospel, they mean something different. Um, let's start at the beginning and let's talk about why we start with scripture. We start with scripture from a theological aspect because, um, we believe Romans ten seventeen that faith saving faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if someone is to be saved, it must be through the word of God. There's, there's no salvation apart from scripture. So one of the reasons why we start with scripture is because if we don't stop there, there can be no salvation. So we, so we start with scripture and the number one, um, foundational agreement that we have to come to, if I'm talking with a Mormon, is that the Bible is the inspired word of God and is free from errors. And the Mormons will say things like, well, the Bible has been corrupt and they don't really have any examples of that. Or the Bible through so much translation has been changed. And so, and so in, in discussions, we want to allay those fears, right? We want to say, no, those are not true. Um, I can prove it to you. We can walk through the the information of, of how many um, different uh, manuscripts we have of the New Testament, of how we can understand Greek and how we can understand Hebrew and how we can see the translational differences and how it doesn't change the word and all that kind of th- all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, we want to get to an agreement about Scripture that whatever Scripture says is true. Okay, we as believers embrace the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Mormons would embrace the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. And they would have all of those as their uh, religious writings. And our goal is to show them that the Old Old Testament and the New Testament have the same message. There's no contradiction. But between the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament... And their sacred writings, the Book of Mormon, Doctor of Covenant, Pearl of Great Price, there are major differences. And that's the whole goal, is just to say, okay, you say that these are saying the same thing. They're actually not. And this is where the Sago Lilly Foundation really comes in handy, because what the Sago Lilly Foundation does is it indexes all of those for you. Ah. And it says, okay, here's a statement in the Book of Mormon, and here's the verse of Scripture. Here's a statement in the Pearl of Great Price. Here's a scripture. Here's a statement of the Doctrine and Covenants. Here's the scripture. And it shows you that they are at odds with each other. And um, and we don't have time really in this podcast to go through each one, but but I think that is the foundation. If you cannot agree, get a Mormon to agree with you that the scripture is the truth and that we we together need to look at the Bible and the Bible alone to see what who God is then we can't go anywhere mm-hmm. because what's going to happen is we're, we're going to be talking about, well, you think the Bible says this and I think the Bible says this, or yeah, well, the Bible says this, but the doctrine of covenant says this, their pearl of great price says this, or, or the book of Mormon says this, or the church teaches this or whatever it is. And so if we can't get to that foundational truth that the scripture is the inspired and errant word of God and whatever it says, we're going to believe, then we can't really have a conversation. Yeah. That's so, so helpful. Now I can imagine it being a little bit intimidating, like, holy cow, that's a lot of, a lot of questions that I don't feel comfortable delving into about the reliability of scripture. And Mm -hmm. I just want to offer maybe kind of a double-edged exhortation encouragement Mm -hmm. on that. This, this is why it is important for every church member to be growing in their understanding 
of their Bible and their faith. That's right. right. You don't have to be an expert, Mm -hmm. but it is vitally important that every Christian take responsibility for the doctrines of Scripture, the truth of Christianity, Mm -hmm. and learn them so that they can present them to others someday. But the other side of that, here's a little bit, that was the the exhortation, a little bit, maybe a little rebukish, but exhortation to learn the Scriptures because it is important. Number two, the encouragement. There are so many resources to help you do this. That's right. There are, not infinite, but there are, myriad resources, so many, more than you could ever access, that will help you learn to understand the right truths necessary to get to that point, to be able to answer those kinds of questions. Because the Bible does provide the answers that people are asking questions about, right? right. The Bible stands up to every test, every test Mm -hmm. of historicity, every test of reliability. You can have confidence that not only are the scriptures true and they hold up, but there's so many resources to help you uh, get to that point. Yeah, and I'm gonna even add on to that. Um, uh, we We have a school here, right? And a common practice before exams is what studying yeah right why why are kids are teenagers and children studying for their exams because there is a time coming when that knowledge can be put to the test and they're preparing for that moment and when somebody has the opportunity to witness or defend the faith this is how, this is what how they learn these things. Like how how many books do we have on our shelf that we think, oh, I'm going to read that. We don't read it right. until we need it, and then we read it and we go, wow, I'm so glad I was challenged in that way because it forced me to find the answer. Right. And then interacting with the answer and communicating the answer actually helps me remember it. And so one of the reasons why people don't know the answers to a lot of apologetic questions like this is because they've never been put in a situation where they have to know it and they have to communicate it. And that situation will actually help them grow in their Christian life. And so I would, I agree with that 100%. So what should people do? Don't run from ministry opportunities. That's right. Even if it's something small, say, okay, trying to explain the historicity and reliability of the Greek manuscripts is way out of my league right now. Don't turn down opportunities to teach children Sunday school classes. That's right. Take, take the opportunities that are in front of you and allow the Lord and his providence to prepare you for greater levels of faithfulness in ministry. Yeah, that's right. And I would even, I would even say anybody can look at a, a, at a Mormon and, and could say, actually, that's not, that's not the case. We have thousands of manuscripts, and we can compare those manuscripts, and we can find the truth. And they may ask a question more deeper than that, and you go, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find it, and we can meet again next week, yeah. and I can bring you the answer to that. And then you go search it out. And so a lot of this knowledge is gained as you need it. Okay, so uh, one last issue with Scripture is that the Mormon religion is very emotional in the sense that it's feelings-based. So they are taught that if something is true, it will feel true. So when you talk to a Mormon, there's a really there's a, there, there's a sense of mysticism, a sense of feeling uh, like this. Oh, I just, I walked into this place and had a really bad feeling. This is a bad place. Or I walked into this place and a good feeling washed over me. This God has blessed this place. You will hear things like that from a Mormon. And the reason that's important is twofold. Number one, Whenever we have an interaction with a Mormon to share the gospel, we always want to make it a very positive thing. Now, that's not a manipulation tactic. That actually is building a bridge. That if 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 we can be kind and 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 show them the love of Christ in a way that is not condescending, in a way that is gracious and loving, it will actually open their heart to hear that again. Secondly, in regards to scripture, we have to be upfront 
and, and, and agree on the truth that if the Bible says it, whether we feel like it or we like it or not, we have to agree it's true. There are a lot of things about the Bible that I don't necessarily like in my flesh, right? That I, that I might be tempted to say, if I was God, I wouldn't make hell eternal, but I'm not God. And whether I like it or whether I want it to be true or not, or whether it feels good to me, that is a true statement that hell is eternal. And so we have to agree that the Bible, no matter if it makes it feel, us feel good or no matter how it affects our emotions, is true. And so that's an important thing of scripture as well. Now, very important. Let's go to the next one, and that is what do we believe about God? Scripture is the truth. It is the only truth. And what, where others, where other documents differ from Scripture, they are wrong. The Bible is right. We're at that platform. Now, let's see, let's see what the Bible says about God. In speaking with a Mormon, as much as possible, you want to try to not use the phrase Heavenly Father. Hmm. Now, we say that phrase all the time. But the Mormons, quote unquote, heavenly father and the God of the Bible, the Yahweh of the Bible are two different people. And, and, and so like, like we do not believe that our heavenly father is married to heavenly mother in heaven. We don't believe the aspects of heavenly father of our heavenly father that they do of who they call quote unquote heavenly father, not the heavenly father, but just Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And so when we pray, when we reference the God of the Bible, we want to use words like Yahweh or we want to use words like Jehovah or words just God. We want to try, even when I when I was witnessing to this Mormon family, I kept catching myself when I'm praying saying, dear Heavenly Father. I tried to stop that and say, dear God. Hmm. And, and it's not as though it's wrong to say Heavenly Father, but when I'm speaking to a Mormon, I don't ever want to equate the God that I'm talking about with the God that they're talking about. Once again, we don't really have time to get into a lot of details on where all the differences are. The Sega Lily Foundation will literally pull up quotes from the LDS website and, and quotes from their doctrinal statements as well as quotes from their sacred writings and will say, this is what your writings say about Heavenly Father. This is what our writings say about, this is what the Bible says about God. These are not the same being. Mm. This is not the same being. And if, if we can get to that point to where a Mormon will say, okay, the God of the Bible is a different God than Heavenly Father of the Mormons. Now, I may not know everything, what that means. And I'm, this, this Mormon may not even be able to be at the point to where they say, I'm willing to accept the God of the Bible over Heavenly Father that they've grown up with. Because this may take, like we said last week, or last podcast, um, up to seven years for, for a Mormon to come to Christ. But that is an important step. The God of the Bible is not Heavenly Father. After that's... Um, after that is uh, that foundation, now we have the scriptures are final authority. The God of the Bible is not Heavenly Father of Mormonism. Now we have the Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus of Mormonism. We are talking about two different people. We already talked about that a little bit. We go to Hebrews 1 8, to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God's forever and ever. The Mormons are Arians in a historical yes. church perspective, right? Because they, yes. they believe that Jesus is a created being. That's the heresy of Arianism, which was condemned at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, and they would even say he's a God. So if you would say, Is Jesus? Jesus God, they would say yes. But if you say, is Jesus equal to God the Father, they would say no. Hmm. And so that's why I have to be so careful is that, yes, they believe he was a true man, uh, created being, offspring of Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, um, half-brother of Satan, 
and one day you will be just like you will have equal standing with Jesus in heaven because just like Jesus is offspring of heavenly father, so you are offspring of heavenly father. And one day you will have your own world that you can be the savior of. If you can rise through the ranks. If, if you, you can, can do exactly. your best, having done all you can. Having done all you can, you can be equal with Jesus. And, um, and again, so many portions of scripture would negate that. And that's why it's so important to build that foundation from the beginning. Yeah. And this is a long process because you can't get to man was born in sin. God sent his son to die for our sins as a substitutionary atonement that by faith in Christ, we can have forgiveness from sins unless you understand who God is, what the Bible is. And then we can get to that point of recognizing the Jesus of the Bible is not the same as the Jesus of Mormonism. So for our church family, should they be afraid to start conversations or Bible studies with Mormons? Absolutely not. And can you tell us exactly, just in short, simple words, why we should not be scared to try and have gospel conversations with Mormons? Well, first and foremost, because we have the truth on our side. Right. With the truth on your side, we have nothing to fear. I, I am not afraid to engage any question. Why? Because I know I have the truth. And so if you see a Mormon missionary or if you engage with a Mormon and you need to ask them the question, would you like to do a Bible study together? And they'll say, yes, you set up a time, have them in your home. Don't call them elder so-and-so. You ask for their first name. You call them by their first name and you have them in their home. As soon as you get the date on the calendar, reach out to us. We can give you resources and they can you can do this. And this is actually a helpful point because... In as much as the, the LDS church, the Mormon church, will try and control what kinds of information their missionaries may be starting to get, uh, you know, get through their mm -hmm. relationships in the same way that your family got blacklisted. And mm -hmm. it's happened multiple times to a lot of different mm -hmm. people. It's, it's not a hard thing to get blacklisted by Mormons if you're gospel focused, right? That's right? But for us as genuine believers of the God of the Bible... There's no information that we're scared of. That's right. There's no church member that we would say, oh man, we really don't want you to talk to anybody except someone who looks and sounds exactly like you. That's right. Yeah. Or don't carry. Yeah, that's no, exactly right. And we're, we're not afraid of someone saying, actually, if you look at this verse carefully, it's not teaching what you think it teaches. Right. We're not afraid of that because um, we have so much church history on our on our on our side of men who've examined that in times past we can examine it to a great extent today there are people who will say things about the greek text that are not true just right. because someone says this is true does not make it right right and so we have the truth on our side. Right. We have nothing to fear. So we know that Mormons, they're not genuine Christians because Correct. they deny essential doctrines of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And we also know that for even just average church people who grew up going to church, not pastors or scholars, they can be confident in sharing the gospel and sharing biblical truth with Mormons that they come mm -hmm. in contact with in their community. Yes, absolutely. Because all they're, all they're starting with is a conversation. And, and the beautiful thing about the Sega Lily Foundation is that it it gives a platform for teaching you how to witness to Mormons. And so they actually have a discussion, leaders discussion guide, which you read through. And what's amazing is that when I was reading through the guide and I was doing this Bible study with a, with a Mormon family, there were phrases, there, there were statements in there that says, okay, when you say this, they will say this. And it was to the T. Wow. Or when you make this statement, here is the first question they will have. And it was exactly there. Wow. 
And so what a helpful resource. That's it's, awesome. It's a huge, it's a very helpful resource and it's written by people who are, who love the word yeah. and who love Mormons. Can you spell that again for us one more time? Sago Lily. S-E-G-O-L-I-L-Y foundation. Okay. Sago Lily foundation. People can just Google that and yep. it'll take them to the website where they can get that information. Yep. So we have to ask the question, okay, what's the end game, right? When I'm having a conversation with the Mormon, with a Mormon, how do I know what is my goal? My goal is not to save them. It's not because I can't, right? I'm not the savior. So if I think my goal is to save them, I'm going to argue till I'm white in the face and and I'm going to uh, offend and I'm going to be willing to say and do things that um, are not helpful for the cause of Christ, right? So what is my, I I wrote two two goals, okay? Here's your goal. To help the Mormon understand that Heavenly Father is not the same being as God, to explain the biblical gospel with the biblical Jesus at the center. Those are the two things. If you can plant questions in the mind of a Mormon, like, is the God of the Bible the God the Mormons worship? Hmm. Is that is that true? And they're willing to seek it out. They will come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And and that's that's where we have to be willing to say, my goal is not to get them to pray a prayer. My goal is not to save them. My goal is to expose them to the truth because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I'm going to plant that in there. My goal is to help them see the God of the Bible is not Heavenly Father and the Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus of Mormonism. Just to close out, all this has been super helpful. And as a related point, our church is actually taking some time this summer to take some of our teenagers Hmm. to go to Utah Hmm. to some areas where there are some gospel movements happening among highly uh, densely populated Mormon areas of Utah. So Hmm. we're going to expose them to Mormon evangelism and church planting in Mormon context. Mm. And so as uh, we think about summer 2024, I just want to encourage our church family to be in prayer for the preparation for our teens to be able to see how the gospel does prevail even in such dark spiritual areas like uh, the the areas of Utah that are so Mormon populated. And uh, keep that in prayer as we prepare for that and get even more exposure and ministry opportunities for our teens. And uh, if you want to consider supporting in some other ways, we'd be happy to uh, talk to you about how you could do that and help our teens out in preparing for that trip. I really think if somebody walks away with anything, they need to understand we have the truth on our side. We have nothing to fear. We have everything to gain. We are looking at this concept and saying, let's just bring the truth to bear. Mm-hmm. And this a person's interaction with a Mormon may be the event that causes them to know the truth they need to communicate and to be able to clearly articulate and grow in their own faith. So may God give us grace to be the light of the gospel and to bring the truth to bear in people's hearts.